I thought that you had it on a. Uh, I thought it was automatically going to pop on. No, it doesn't. You have to hit the start button still. But. You know what else I noticed? So I briefly listened to this show on podcast just because I love the intro music and like mm -hmm. you know slight bit of narcissism. But I mean, I, I, I don't listen to the whole show because I was there, you know. But uh, we never do like an intro. Like, are we supposed to do an intro? I don't know. I never. I, I thought about it. I just didn't know if it was like, something we were we were doing. Yeah, like I didn't know. Like we have this like, so chill, but people want to listen to it in the car. I guess people say it, so I don't know. But if people are listening to it, then they know that this is episode forty-four. They do know that this is episode forty-four. I feel oh, like the girls, snakes, and stones. I mean, they know that you're Justin Smith of Palmetto Coats Exotics, and they know that I'm Phil Wolf from Knobtails.ig. Like, they, they know that, you know? And if they didn't, now they do. And if they didn't, now they do. Well, I haven't even uploaded the last issue. issue. Last issue. episode yet. Um, I still have the notes Okay. From last episode, because I do that now to keep track of what we talked about, so in the description, you know, I know stuff gets stuff gets added, and I, I keep track because I mean, as we all know, some of these episodes run a little long. So. Yeah, yeah, some of them do. Some of I them guess do. it's just us. It could just be us. I also think it also has to do with. Part of me thought it was because we do it. We used to do it on the weekends, and it was like, oh, it's the weekend. We can stay up till midnight, whatever. And I was like, wait, we do it on Sundays, so it doesn't really matter anyway. We're still staying up till midnight or right, you know, longer. And and I do think it's funny because like there was one or two episodes. No, I think it was just one episode where it was you, me, Billy, and Chris, and your internet took a shit. Yeah, that was not long And we stopped recording, but me and Billy and Chris were still linked in the stream. And we talked for like another hour and a half. <laughs> but thank God it wasn't recording because God only knows what the hell we talked about. I'm pretty sure it did, though. Oh, did it really? I think so. If it's the episode, I think it did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. Though. Maybe. Well, hello, everyone who's watching. Thomas, Jake, Hen Dog. What's up, Vic? Brad. Howdy, howdy. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. I actually, uh, I, I, I hit on, I jumped on Facebook before this just to kind of kill some time, and I saw you had posted a thing this morning on Facebook saying who's joining us tonight, and Thomas was like, "I'll be there," and I was like, "We haven't had him on the show yet." We haven't him. What? Hey, hey. Twitch is is alive, and Austin's here. Austin needs to join nice. us too. So we can talk about metals and Amazon and stuff. Excellent. Ex excellent, yes. Anything new this week? Uh, yeah, before I get into that, you really can't hear this wind? No, I don't hear it. Thank God. I, I don't. I honestly don't know where the microphone is on this thing. I, probably should do I don't even know where it is. I think it's somewhere <laughs> under the screen here. Okay. I don't know. Well, Max, Max yeah. are interesting, interesting technology. Yeah, right. Uh, alien technology. 
So this week I did a lot of herping. I did see that. A lot. Probably more than I should have. And I didn't find much. Didn't find Aaron much. Aaron wants to know what we're smoking. I'm smoking a My Father Connecticut. Nice. I haven't lit it yet, but I have a Padron Torpedo that was literally this is and see this is the confusing part. Is my friend watched the guy roll this in Cuba and brought it back, but it doesn't say Habana on it. It just says handmade in English, which kind of pissed me off. But he's, he literally has pictures of him watching the guy roll this cigar. And it just has a that's normal... What, that's what all the Padron 1000 Series labels say, though. I know. And that, that's frustrating to me. They don't say anything I, else. They don't even tell you if it's a Maduro or a natural. I, I know. Well, this is supposed to be Maduro, but uh, it, ha it says... Um, Importado on one side, and on the other side it says importado. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah. fun fact: Aaron Ferguson is the guy who wrote the Herping in Bangkok article ah, several yeah. issues past, and he did a freaking phenomenal job with it too. Great and the article with some breathtaking photography. Absolutely awesome photography. Oops. Trimarestorous macrops were pretty sweet. Dude, I want some so badly. <clears throat> and I talk about it all the time how just Thailand needs to just open up, man. Thailand just needs to open up. Because, dude, there are some blue macrops out there with them bright yeah. yellow eyes. Oof. I need that in my life. Do you think they ever will? Or did we already talk about that? You pretty much said that it probably wouldn't happen. It probably won't happen. However, there is some individuals that are making a migration there and uh, have been known to have some uh, hold, so to speak. So who knows what the future will hold. Thank you, Mr. Ferguson. Mr. Ferguson? Oh, it's always not, not... Oh, yep. The drone is no longer in Cuba anymore, as far as I know. Yeah, that was one of the original families that, like, defected. Well, then maybe my friend's full of shit. Maybe that's why it doesn't say Habana on it. I have other ones with the same band, but it says Havana, Cuba, or Habana on it. I've got, like, ten of them. I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to enjoy it as soon as I'm done with this first. Oh, I, what just happened there? I'm trying to share this while it's happening. I don't want to share. Aaron says Facebook makes this entirely too difficult. I can imagine. Uh, Aaron says it's supposed to go to Borneo in April, but COVID killed that. Ah, uh, that sucks. Yeah. Thomas is smoking a triple eight. Thomas does love those Lusions. Lusions? Lusions. So, Lusion. so I, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I went Herbert a lot, and I found some really cool specimens. And I also found a lot of rain and wind because I didn't realize about all this tropical depression nonsense. 
And uh, surprisingly, I found some cool animals in horrible weather, like really bad weather. Um, I went out with my cousin uh, last last Monday, I think it was, and or this past Monday, excuse me, and it was just muggy and gross, and it was drizzly and rainy, and we saw like fifteen or twenty raccoons, and like throughout our excursions, and every single one just looked like hell, just like thin and straggly. They were all wet from the rain. They just didn't look good. Um, but uh, but I saw some 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 great looking some good water snakes, and I found a crayfish snake last night, which was cool. But That's before, cool. Before I can get in photos, he slithered across the road. Um, and it's funny, man, because I used to see so many oddball snakes, and now I think I think I'm going the wrong time of the year for the oddball stuff. Like, it used to be tons of garters, both the normal, you know, green, greenish-brown ones, as well as the blues, crayfish snakes, mud snakes, and it's just not... I guess maybe I'm doing too much summer. I don't know. Uh, where am I herping? Uh, South Florida, man. Um, mostly the northern portions of the Everglades, as well as the sugarcane fields. Um, I love driving through sugarcane fields. Uh, that's where I find most of the pygmy rattlesnakes and uh, some rat snakes and oh my god last night so i go out last night and i check the weather and there's this one road that i really really like it cuts straight through the cane fields but it's public it's a public road it's, it's a, a a road that takes you to houses that aren't there anymore mm -hmm. and uh, the road is like exactly like 10 miles like 9.8 miles long and it's raining in the beginning. I look on the map on the GPS or the weather app, whatever. It's raining in the beginning of the road. It's raining at the end, but it's nothing in the middle. So I was like, all right, let me drive all the way to the end and just see what it looks like weather-wise. And sure as hell, it was raining at the beginning in the middle. So instead of doing the 10 miles a couple times or, or, or the neighboring dirt roads, I did like a four-mile stretch like four or five times and uh, really didn't find anything. I missed a uh, uh, yellow rat snake. In the torrential downpour, this thing was hauling ass. Like you'd swear it, it thought it was a coach whip because it was just like, oh, 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 the weather, I'm running, oh. and I missed it. Um, my hair, my hair. Um, but I found a really, really dark pygmy that I wound up keeping. Is that the one you did the video of? That's the one I did the video of. Yeah, dude, really rich, rich navy blue, dark navy mm -hmm. blue with crisp black dots, very, very crisp. Um, and I don't know if it's the coloration, but it looked more, it looks, I have it home now, it looks more abrasive than normal. And I don't know if maybe it was, his skin was dry or, or maybe it was, had like dust or sand in his skin. I, I don't know. Um, What's up, Trey? But I missed the nicest looking dusty pygmy I've ever seen in my entire life. <clears throat> Um, I do have a picture. I will pull the picture because we have the 21st century technology now. Um, right? So this this pygmy that I missed was probably two foot long. Um, it was decently thick. And it was that same navy blue color. However, in between each black dot was a bright neon orange dot. Well, 
And uh, I, I'd never seen a pygmy like this before. It was, it was, it looked like it had little citrus oranges on the sides. It was amazing. And I got out of the car and I put my snake hook under my armpit and I crouched down on one knee with my cell phone to get a picture. And you could tell that this animal was not a stranger to human interaction, and it freaked. It didn't coil. It didn't rattle. It just hauled ass right into the cane, and I lost them in some thick cane. That sucks. What is this? Uh, that is awesome because, A, we need to link up because I live 10 minutes south of Delray. And, B, I have never found a Brooks King. In fact, earlier in the month or uh, in August, I took a couple trips down to Big Cypress and stuff trying to find Brooks, and I've yet to find one in my entire life. They're so, the devil. Only yours. That's all right. I hate Brooks Kings. I can't. They're cool snakes, but... What is the white whale species of South Florida herping? Um, honestly, it depends on who you ask. Uh, snake person, it's going to be an indigo snake. pythons. No, no, no. Uh, uh, snake person is going to say indigo, hands down. Some people may say eastern diamondback because they are <laughs> becoming more scarce. <laughs> that is funny. Wilson <laughs> Mellers. Millions. Um, Not uh, impossible. Right. Um, some people, if you're in, if you're amphibian people, uh, they want to find giant air fuma. Um, giant femur are pretty awesome. Um, what else? American crocodile, if you go down all the way to the tip of Florida. It would be very cool to see one of those. Yeah. I've seen them. Uh, it's cool. Uh, I'm not a big crocodilian guy, so it's it's impressive to see it in the wild. Um, but I'm not like, oh, my God, I want to go pet that's it. Just, yeah, that's just the species a lot of people forget about. What? Like I'm American alligators. Oh, yeah. Or uh, American crocodiles. Yeah. <clears throat> Like, I tell people about them at work because they'll be talking about alligators or something. They'll be like, have you ever seen American crops? And like, we have crocodiles? I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, kind of. Like, if you go to, like, the the tramp stamp of Florida on the very bottom just before it yeah. shoots mm -hmm. out to the Caribbean. Well, I always think it's funny when you hear, like, people freaking out because a lot of them, they get uh, they get sidetracked and they go up the, co up the East Coast. And mm -hmm. part, like as far north as like Jupiter or like uh, West Palm. <clears throat> I don't look for amphibians, so I can't say that they are or not. Um, I feel like they're probably more common than people think. They're like rough green snakes. Like they're probably everywhere. It's just because yeah. you've never seen them. Like they're always, yeah. always secluded somewhere. Mm -hmm. All those canals and stuff y'all have down there, I guarantee you. Mm -hmm. um, but just going back to like rare species in South Florida, the the problem is is that a lot of the Florida species, like for example, Florida pine snakes. It is of my understanding that you will not find a Florida pine snake south of Lake Okeechobee. Like it just won't happen. Um, it's not that kind of terrain. Uh, the places that they used to inhabit are no longer there. They were they're inhabited by humans now or whatever. Um, somebody please correct me if I'm wrong. Show me pictures because I'd love to see it. I, I've never seen a, a Florida pine tree in a while, so that that's on my Florida bucket list. Um, but yeah, man, I've been on a I've been on a pygmy kick. I've been on a rat snake kick, and 
I did a bunch of herbing this week. What, 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 what did you do this week? I worked. I mean, I, I worked too. I neglected my adult duties after hours, but. Worked. Well, I got that green tree from Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, so Joe is getting rid of some non-essential personnel in his collection. I had been joking with him off and on for the last like year plus about him like send me limeade. That's the name of that condo. And he's like, ha ha ha, never, you know, whatever. And then he messaged me, uh, it would have been last week, and he's like, Hey man, I'm downsizing on some stuff. You wanna buy limeade? And like, mm. Yes I do. And so he gave me a deal. So I I got him. Um, he's in quarantine right now, he's doing great. I actually fed him Yesterday, I'm usually off Sundays and Mondays, but I am having a long weekend this upcoming weekend, so I'm working. I work today. Okay. So I handled all my my cleaning and whatnot duties with that stuff yesterday, and I fed him and uh, fed him a small hopper. He took that no problem, and then I ended up pawing out another one and giving it to him, and he ate both no problem. So my plans for him are he's in, he's going to be in quarantine for a while. Um. So probably sometime in December, uh, he'll get paired with my female Bia. My biggest concern is because she's so damn big, I'm worried that if she ends up grabbing him, that she will puncture something vital and something will happen. So we'll have to navigate that kind of sensitively. Yeah, you don't know what it's going to be like in a couple of months. Negotiate that obstacle when you get to it. Yeah, well, that's the case with any of the males I've put in with her in the past. Like, definitely don't do it at night because she will absolutely rip them a new asshole. And I really have to watch them for a few minutes when I first put them in there, and I keep my spray gun handy because she gets – they just – they're I mean, like all Morelia, you know, they just get so hyper-focused in food mode and stuff that mm -hmm. as soon as I put the male in there, I see her kind of doing the slow sort of like testing the waters, like I'm investigating – probably going to bite it just to see what it is kind of thing. And I take the spray bottle and put it on like jet instead of the mist and just hit her with a few times. And usually she, it breaks that. Yeah. That hyper focus. And yeah. It takes her mind off what the hell she was looking at. But then I usually still have to sit there for a few minutes because she will like kind of come back to it and be like, there's something moving on the other end of the cage. The only time anything's moving in my cage is if there's food. So that's, it'll be interesting. I'm rooting for him, man. It's a good-looking animal. Because he's, um, yeah, well, he's a five-year-old male um, produced by Ben Sloan back in 2015. Uh, he's a Jayapura cross, so he's not, I mean, as far as, like, phenotype-wise, he's not, like, anything mind-blowing, but still a good-looking snake, and I think it'd be interesting to uh, see what happens with uh, that Biak blood, so. Cool. Apparently, Andy got some new conjures. I see that. And he also said he put a pair together tonight in the mail. was relentless. Nice. Here, I, I wound up, uh, before I forget, I wound up finding the, my pygmy picks from last night. So that is, uh, that is not the screamer. That's just the dark one. And that picture mm -hmm. do it justice. It really does have a more rich name. A lot of contrast. A lot of contrast. Um, and uh, let me actually, 
me go to that photo so that I can do this. Not bad for a cell phone pic. I love how their eyes are like two tone like that. That was one thing yeah. about like those guys and uh, like Cottonmouths and stuff is like that that half half silver, half like dark brown. Nice, Mike. Mike said he just started temp cycling his pair last night. Awesome. Look at like, look at. I the, love how it actually has a rattle. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's got a bunch of buttons on it too. That's an impressive rattle for a pigma, dude. Yeah. Right. It's probably the biggest I've ever seen. And and dude, the the animal's quite small, and I'm pretty sure it's male. Um, it's probably maybe two or three years old. Um. And it, it needs a meal. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get a meal in it because I, I, he he didn't look so hot. And then when I started messing with him, he started you know puffing up a little bit. He looked a little better, but it's got good contrast. I'm convinced that these rusty patches here are going to be more predominant once he sheds once or twice. Yeah, gets that jungle skin off. Yep, 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 yep. But uh, it was a good looking animal, man, and. Uh, Actually, I have a little, I have that little video. Whoops. What's up, little buddy? Hey, friend. <laughs> Super cute. I don't know, man. Just something about a good-looking pig, you know? Man, if I was keeping like serious venomous, I would totally. Me and Jake have talked about it so many times. Like I would have so many of those. They're so cool. They're awesome. So that puts me at four right now. Um, one of my big adults passed away this year. Um, so essentially, this one I got last night will fill that one spot. Um, but the other one was a male. I'm pretty sure this one's a male too. It's got a pretty defined taper to the tail um but uh i need the other ones to grow man because they're so small i don't i don't want to try and sex them or mess with them yeah mike you know what's up trey has uh some pickings too so oh nice he appreciates mm. uh, all localities or just i mean they're all awesome they're all awesome and i i mean i'm biased because i live here and like Dusky is quintessential Florida, but I really, really want those reds that we were talking about with uh, with Phelan. I really want those reds, man. I like the ones that are really high, like silver. Yeah, silver is cool. Uh, uh, Nipper's got a, a, a set of um, – I always butcher the, the scientific name on the Western, the stick – Anyway, the Western ones, his are pretty silvery, if memory serves me right. Yeah, like this one. Yeah, yeah, that's I basically like that. like I mean, the reds are cool and all, too, but I just I don't know. There's something about that. That one that one you have right there, oh, go back to the one you just had, the silvery one. That one is that South Carolina? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Mm. There's a couple websites that use that picture. Look at this one. That's freaking nuts. Look at all that red. Dude. 
That's nice. That's real nice. That's a dusty, right? That's like a like a North Georgia dusty. I assume so. Yeah, man. I started reading that pygmy rattlesnake book, and uh, I just I tried to read, man. I tried, but I just I wish I had Carly's ability to just sit down and write. Right. And I, I don't just, know how she does it. I don't know how she does it. And because uh, let's be let's be real, she's not she she's not the most uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ah, fuck it. She's hyper, right? <laughs> so I don't know how she does it, being so hyper and being able to sit down and just read Lord of the Rings front to back, you know? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, I'm sure yeah. a lot of her job involves her kind of sitting and hanging out and waiting for somebody to need something, so she has time to really crank through that stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Look at that animal. That's cool. Ah. That's gorgeous. So in this book, uh, the author is basically saying how I guess that's, Mexican. that's Mexican. That's awesome. So you see the price sign that man, you really do. Mm -hmm. um, the authors basically say, says that they did some studies on fossil. That's the book right there. The uh, diminutive giant. So yeah, I need to get a copy of that. Oh the, yeah. Dude, it's it was 15 bucks on Amazon and it was 15 bucks at the show. So I figured I'd rather give the old man at the show the money, you know, definitely. Um, and I, I've been meaning to buy it for some time. So the book basically says that they did some fossil record studies and apparently the actual Dusky specifically is what the other ones, I guess, evolved from. And they're even saying that the Dusky type is the closest ancestrally to the prehistoric rattlesnakes and that maybe all all, all crotalids have evolved from Dusky's, which I thought was really which makes a lot of sense too, because when you look at a dusky compared to the other ones, like up close, you can see more predominant keeled scales. You can see how the belly is is um, it almost looks like it almost looks bloated because it's very smooth and rounded, and it yeah. and the the definition of the body texture of the duskies compared to the other smaller rattlesnakes or even the, the crotalids or bigger crotalids. It, it makes it makes a little bit of sense. I, I want to find that journal. I want to find that journal and read that, or papers, or whatever they are. How many pages is that book? Oh, it's small. It's like on her pages. Let's see, that's a nice little stripe one too. Yeah, that's that's super cool. And see, it's hard, man, because like you can't tell if that snake is the size of a quarter or if that snake's the size of a pie plate. You know. That's a nice picture of how to get bit on the thumb. Right? That's something you don't do. You don't pick up sisters. Whoa, what is that? On the left. This? You put you past it. I don't know. That, yeah, that. What is that? No, no, right below that. This one? No. You're scrolling too quickly. Go down a little bit. Right there. What? No. Right, right there. On the left. Nope. The one below that. Oh my God! This one. Yeah. Yes. What is that? That's a pygmy rattlesnake. That's just a good-looking baby. Ooh, that's a cool picture. Oh my eye, man. 
Oh yeah, see that's 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 the picture, man. That's the picture, and I'm sure that's been photoshopped, but still. Let's see, because Trey sent me a picture of his too. Let me pull that up. Oh, they're great looking. He's got them in cool setups too, where he's got like natural. He makes it look very native. Is the, yeah, that's uh, the best word. Yeah, I do. Um, I do. Uh, fifty percent sand, fifty percent jungle mix, and uh, with a uh, multiple different uh, cave, like fake cave or like a cork piece, you know, from the hide under, and none of them hide. They just sit out in the open, just chilling. Cool man, very cool. I, I gotta hit him up when we talk about them Athens Reds. The. Uh, He's in he's in North Carolina. He's he's the opposite direction. Oh, okay. Pretty sure he got those at Columbia. I'm sure he goes right. to Columbia. Nice, nice. The um, what I've been trying to do is, and I keep forgetting, is I had a friend that worked at the zoo, and they had a or have I don't know if they still have it, uh, rainbow eucalyptus tree, and you know, like the bark sheds off and it has all the crazy rainbow colors. So I stole a bunch of, for lack of a better word, leaf litter from the tree to put in with like the carpets and to kind of make it a little more Aussie, you know? Mm -hmm. What I do is I got to go out to the cane fields and I got to shuck a bunch of cane <clears throat> and dry it out and throw that in with the pygmies. Because I think that would be... That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Here's something else that is interesting. So I don't know how I came across this page. They are in Europe. Uh, this is the same genus as leopard geckos, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I there's another there's they they work exclusively well maybe not exclusively but they focus on this hardwick eye species right. right which I've never seen before I didn't even know this was a thing. No, that's juvenile coloration. Yes. Okay. But this guy sent me an article. Just, I don't know if it's a guy or a woman. I'm sure it's a guy. But they sent me an article on these guys for the Very next cool. issue. Then. Not not this upcoming issue. I'm going to use it for the next one. But like it's cool because this is like you always hear about leopard geckos if it's anything related to this genus. And so I messaged him. I was like, look, this is like exactly the kind of stuff I want to show people that they may not even know exists. Because, I mean, I've been in the hobby a long time. I, I would think that I would remember something outside of leopard geckos in that genus. Right. But I've never heard of these, so it's like, you know, write me up something. What and, I think is interesting is anytime you hear hardwood guy, to me, it's usually Central Asian, and they're rare. Um, because this, I know would be, that, this would be a cool cover photo. That'd be a great cover photo. Um, I'm assuming that's the parent. Uh, yeah. Let's see what I can find pictures. <laughs> so, like, you have those Euromastics that come out of India. Those are hardwood guy. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, the Scolopendra hardwick eye, which is that Central Asian Halloween centipede. That's interesting. Here we go. Almost like a different, like a cross between a fat tail and a leopard kick. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a great analogy. Look at that. Day one, day 500. <laughs> that's cool. That's very cool. 
Or yeah. Almost, so, you know, it, looks like, it looks like a Chinese cave gecko had a love child with a fat tail. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting because I was like, you know, leopard geckos are cool and everything, but I'm sure there's plenty of other cool species in that genus that no one pays attention to. Right. And uh, oh, look know, at this that. is the kind of stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. So this guy sent an article on him. I'm pretty pumped about it. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Thomas wanted to know about those Athens Reds. Um, I do not know because I've never found them. I've never actually gone to look for them. But I have friends that go up there pretty frequently, and they have some, like, neighborhood dirt roads. And it's like uh, a non-gated community of, you know, 50 houses on property. And they're just – it's dirt road driveways, dirt road streets, and they just cruise them. And there's just red rattlesnakes. So – it's a goal of mine to do that. One day. One day. Hey, Dan and Dominique. What's up, kids? Yeah, it's just so neat, man. I want that's the stuff, that's exactly the kind of stuff I want to highlight more. It's just the stuff that people probably didn't know exists. And there's like that those one or two guys that are Hundred percent, all in on them. Of course, yeah. of course. Oh, you know what I found the other night with uh, my one buddy? We went out to this one like farm area. Check out this little sucker. I haven't seen one of these in a while. That is a South Florida Southern Toad. And I know that like people are like, okay, it's a southern toad. What would you do? Um, it's just we never see them. Just cane toads have taken over so much that we just never see them. And this guy was sitting in the road and uh, just chilling, waiting for some bugs. And at first we thought he was a, a marinus. And then I was like, look at that frog. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's a southern toad. And we hopped out of the car and grabbed his butt real quick. And... Uh, Literally just sat there and just let us like pet him, and then we let him go. I like the. Is it like actually like that mossy green color, or is that just the lighting? No, no, that is the exact color. Because oh, I nice. went in. Uh, we we like because again we had time to play with him. He just kind of sat there. So obviously both of us had headlamps on, and we were blinding the crap out of him. And I wanted to get a picture, so like we kind of turned our heads away. And then I just used the normal flash on the, on the phone. And then uh, I put it in a, 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 a photo editing thing and just fixed the white balance a little bit. And that's it. I didn't edit that photo at all. Other than correcting the white balance a little bit, I didn't do anything to that photo. That's literally what it looks like. So to answer your Hardwick question. Okay. Thomas Hardwick, who was alive from 1756 to 1835, was an English soldier, soldier and naturalist who was in India from 1777 to 1823. He collected numerous specimens of natural history and had them painted by Indian artists. From these paintings, many new species were described. Several of these species are named after him. On returning to England, he collaborated with the zoologist John Edward Gray to publish Illustrations of Indian Zoology. That makes sense. So... It makes sense why Central Asian species would be named after him. Trey, I think it's Hyde County, if I'm not mistaken, that's got the, the reds. Where is Hyde County? 
See. Oh, I was going to tell you too is uh, I was messaging back and forth with John Loman um, from Palm Beach Colubrids, and dude, he sent me some dusky pictures. Whole, whole, literally the biggest pygmy rattlesnakes I've ever seen in my entire life. I guess he has some friend's property and they have a bunch of garbage and tin and crap out there, and they just like leave it out there. And man, you'd swear these things were. Western Diamondbacks, they were massive. So Hyde is coastal, a little bit south of Nags Head. Off of there. Hatteras is off the coast of that. So. Wow, see that's really interesting, man. Because like everyone who tells me about red pygmies, it's always super inland. Hmm. Very cool. Let's let's do some some. Trey says that they put the Carolina Reds on a protected list against collecting. I believe it. I believe it. See, that's the kind of stuff that also makes me wonder as far as like cryptic diversity. I guess it wouldn't even necessarily be cryptic. What, but like the red ones, because I mean, phenotypically, they're so. It, this probably goes for like the Mexican bears too. Like they're phenotypically so different. That it's to me, I have a very hard time buying that genetically they're like the same. Sure, it's like that's a lot of deviation. But at the same time, if someone comes out and does like the work and looks at like the mitochondrial DNA and stuff like that, and it's the same. Yeah, well, I mean, so we we agree. Like, go just going back to cottonmouths because I love those stupid snakes. I found cottonmouths that were in the middle of the Everglades that were jet black, just like jet, jet black. And by all means, an ugly animal. I think they're awesome. Uh, they still retain the pattern on the face. They have like a cream colored throat, but the body's just black like my shirt. Um, but then I go south all the way down to like the Cypress and Everglades National, and they get like almost banding. And they, it almost looks like a, like a ball python almost. It's got super light tans and browns. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, and obviously that's ge it's just geographical diversity, right? Right. Well, like the conjure thing recently, you know, right. everything got split up, and like when it actually got when it was official, official. Mm -hmm. uh, no one, I mean, a lot of people in the conjure community really weren't all that surprised because they were like, you know, we kind of figured this in the first place because obviously an Aru doesn't look the same as a Biak. Right. Um, and it's like, it was cryptic diversity because, yeah, they're all green snakes. But, I mean, if you think about it, evolutionarily speaking, they really don't need to change a whole lot from what they deviated from because that's what we're... Yeah. But, like, you look at, like, the reds and the, and the pygmies and the duskies, and it's like, how are these not, like, a subspecies or something? Because like, that's a pretty far jump from, from yeah. what everything else looks like. Right. And... 
at one point the Mexican bears were considered like a subspecies or a separate species, but I got that got debunked pretty quick. So I don't well, know. I was gonna say just going back to pygmies. So I would be eager to learn if the red phenotype is a um what's the word I'm looking for? If you bred two reds together and normal Carolinas came out. You know what I mean? Polygenic. Yeah. I'm wondering if that has happened. I mean, it could be the, the exact same thing as like specs. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is amazing seeing specs literally match their surroundings flawlessly. Mm -hmm. You know? Trey said he has two from around the lake in my county that were removed from people's houses that look completely different from each other. Both came within five minutes of my children. One that is, one is that red one. I got you. Oh, wow. That's uh, cool. I mean, maybe is there like a, there's a polygenic element or something to it, to at least that group. I don't know. Yeah. Like Amazon tree bows. I got to finish reading the book. I might find out. Yeah. I actually, uh, I got another pygmy pick that I just took that I don't think I shared with anybody. Please forgive me if I have shared it already. Where the hell is it? There's so many pictures. Ooh. You know what's crazy about the, the speculates uh, and stuff, though, that like blows my mind is like the fact that they do, like the color matches so well with the surrounding rock and stuff like that. If you think about just how long it took for them to evolve. Oh, yeah. To that. Absolutely. Individual, like even just individual populations. Like that just. Yeah. And the, you think about too is the stone, the rock there, obviously it precedes them in a timeline. Mm -hmm. How long did it take the quartz and the limestone and the sandstone to get that way? And then how long did it take them to evolve to match it? Right? That's crazy to me. And then and now you're saying that this guy in the in the book is saying that in theory all crotalids may have stemmed from duskies or the the, the, the dusky ancestry. And it's like, well, how come you have how come you have go like, out of Arizona? Right, there we go. How come you have price eye that are I think are the closest thing to Cistrus, right? Um well no, because uh what is it, Massasaugas are Cistrus, right? Yeah. No, 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 but I'm saying is is because price eye is still Cortalis, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's the one Crotalus that's the closest, more so than Ridge Nose, more so than everything else, to the, the actual true pygmies genetically. Um, and they're, what, three, 4,000 miles apart? Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, Bill said, I would think that phenotypic expression changing over time would only lead to species differentiation if those pigment expression, expression genes were attached to something significant. You said, i.e., spider balls, it isn't the phenotypic expression in their skin causing neuro, it's the fact that the gene expression for that pattern is attached to the gene expression for some neurological processes. 
Good point. But I don't know. I mean, like Amazon, Trebo's, like those are yeah. like, poly, as far as like stuff being polygenic, those are it. And I'm pretty sure like Squam's, same yeah. thing. Like you can yeah. breed two garden phase Amazons and get colored babies. Yeah. Well, that's like the guy who gets the crazy black Squam's and breeds two blacks together and they all come out like green or they all come out, you know, dark, dark red and not, not the pretty red, like the muddled, ugly red. Mm -hmm. So the dry blood red, right? So this picture, um, I don't know if I share this or not. I can't remember, but this picture was uh, me chasing after a baby Florida king snake, and it it just it went in the undergrowth, and I just lost them. I mean, the thing was literally like a cocktail straw, and uh, I lost them. And I said, before I start ripping weeds out with my hands, I said, let me look around, and this snake is literally sitting right next to my foot, and. I was like, whoa, like kind of caught off guard, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. I think I would be telling you about that. Yeah. And then I noticed that I started taking pictures. And I noticed as he was moving, this one, you can kind of see it better. He has, or she, has a frog in his mouth. Oh, uh, like a uh, cricket frog? or Yeah. Yeah. Like a narrow mouth or something. And... um let me try and go to the next photo. And you can see, like, this thing didn't give a crap about me. He just wanted to eat his frog. Survive. Right? And then I look at this picture, and this picture is completely unedited. This is straight off the cell phone. Flash from the cell phone and my headlamp. And, like, look at this orange. For it's crazy how well it blends in. Oh, yeah. And then, like, if we zoom in, like, obviously these scales are a little separated because of the frog in his mouth, but look at the white that bordered. Mm -hmm. It's just awesome, man. It's just awesome. I, don't, I didn't even check. Does this one have a rattle? I don't even think it has a rattle. See, at that size, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's completely silent. <laughs> okay. What's it going to do? Lens right in. Let's see. Trey sent me another picture of this red. It's like that salmon variety. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and don't get me wrong, the bucket's That's a little definitely a female, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I wish it wasn't on that red bucket. You know, because I know how awesome that animal probably looks, and I feel like the red bucket is almost taking away from it. It's your professional critique. What? So that was your professional critique? No, I'm, I, I'm just saying that that animal is probably <laughs> better, not on the red. Bill also said, depending on these species and how these genes cluster and express... Would determine if phenotypic changes lent to other genetic changes that would be considered significant enough to be statistically significant. It almost seemed to be by chance that phenotypic genes were somehow clustered with sexual reproduction genes, and small changes could lead to speciation quickly if they were, they were no longer able to breed. Would that have anything to do with sexual dimorphism? Mm. 
We need to ask Travis Wyman this shit. That's what that's I know, we right? To talk to. I know. Where's he at? He's baking something. I'm jealous of whatever it is, too. Mm-hmm. It is kind of frustrating, you know. You want to, you want to taste it. You just want to taste it. Post all these pictures and stuff, and we never get to, never even get to try it. We need to do like a like a, a bake sale for uh, some kind of cause. I don't know. U.S. Ark, right? U.S. Ark. Well, I, I I told you I'm gonna petition to Fiji Water <laughs> and say that I am educating people on how to handle venomous reptiles in their yard and or home. And I use Fiji water bottles to securely encase said venomous animal for safe transportation. And they're going to sponsor me and life will be grand. And I will put all of the pygmies in all of the Fiji bottles. They will all be mine. You got that fancy water, boy. He's special. Bro, I'm telling you, dude, I literally started, I don't drink fancy water. I literally drink tap water, but I buy those when I go herping because the bottles are so damn good. I don't care. I don't know if you saw this this morning, but so I'm, I've been on the, trying to figure out, I need to do another grow out bin for mice Mm -hmm. because I have so many that I'm literally having to like euthanize a handful to put in the freezer because I have so many of them, like they're not the size that I really like me. I, I mean, I'll, I'll use them and I'll feed them off, but I prefer adults that I'm trying to raise them up, but I don't have the space to raise up all of them. Right. So I found out via a YouTube video yesterday that reptile basics sells these. Oh yeah. So, dude. so I want to get one of these bad boys. This thing's 21 by 15 by eight. Mm-hmm. But now, hold on. Doesn't that have to go in a rack because that lid just sits on there? No, like these little things right here, are like clip-ons. Like oh, okay. Um, well, then hell yeah, man. So yeah, I'm gonna get one or two of these at some point and get yeah, the water bottles for them too. Oh, they even got the valve. What? I didn't even know they had all this. Look at that, man. Legit road not What? I mean, mine, like, my rack has the, the tubing and the bucket reservoir, but I didn't know they even had all this stuff. Yeah, man. Hey. Paul Basics knows what's up, bro. So, yeah, I was planning to get, like, two of those probably next month and then two of these water bottles. And uh, Have you had a, a, a mass, mass rodent genocide yet? I haven't. Good. Congrats. But I'm also, I don't know, I'm weird about like how you treat feeders. Like I really hate how some people are like, it's food. Why do we care about it? Whatever. You know, let's feed it old Roy dog food. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know. There's like a respect thing, I guess. It's like, man, you're like literally breeding these things for them to become food and killed off. Like, at least make their time here enjoyable. Exactly, exactly. You know? So, yeah. like, keep them well-fed, keep them clean, keep them comfortable. Give them, like, I gave my all of mine, I, I cut up a big apple the other day, and 
let them eat on that. And then when I, I'm like, when I was about to leave my parents' house, which is where those those racks are out in one of the sheds, um, I took all the apple out just so it wouldn't mold and stuff. But, right. You know, it's just like make them comfortable. Sure, of course. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I tell you, man, if I ever get my hands on those bino geckos, it's going to be hard for me to. It's going to be hard for me to feed them off because I love geckos, but their purpose in life is to be bigger geckos. So, I'll tell you this though: I am not keen on feeding snakes to snakes anymore um, unless they're already dead. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, I did it too many times. Too depressing. Yeah, and it's like. Oh, I don't know. I just don't. Maybe it's because I just don't care about mammals. Like I'm not a mammal guy, so like feeding off rodents and, and never bothered me. Like ever, it still doesn't. Mm -hmm. But like feeding like a baby corn snake that was just born to a coral, and I'm like, oh, you haven't even had a chance to slither around yet, little corn. Mm -hmm. And then the coral's like, ha, mine. Yeah, and I feel bad when I have to kill off like smaller mice. I mean, I I really don't like live feeding. I don't like anything suffering. Of course, absolutely of course. has to, and so like to raise up these small hoppers for a month and then be like, "Sorry, dudes." Yep. You know, I always feel like feel makes me feel pretty crappy, but I mean it's necessary. It's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hell of a lot cheaper than buying frozen in bulk, and True. I I get to control what goes into them, which to me is a is a pretty important part. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, I prefer feeding, okay, on all my baby stuff and my juvenile stuff, I prefer to feed live. I do. It's easier for me to do it. I know the animal isn't big enough to fight back, per se. And I feel like it keeps the snake, I don't want to go down like an enrichment conversation, but you get what I'm saying. It's 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 more something for the, for the animal. Obviously, once they hit like adult mice size, I don't. That, then it's all it's all frozen thought at that point. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know, man. Just watching that little coral snake get savage, you know. And yes, I knew Henry was going to chime in. Henry says snake eaters are the best. He's not wrong. Snake eaters are freaking awesome. They're just not for me. Not for me. And I have a few, like some of the, I have a pair of the baby bears, they'll, they won't, they don't seem to want anything to do with frozen dogs, so I will feed them live. But that's just the, you know, that's, it's a necessity sometimes. Yeah. Yep. But I did have a really good talk with Rob Stone, which if you've listened to THB, Rob Stone's my spirit guide. Yup. He's all of our spirit guide. Dude, I told you what he gave. I told you the information he gave me about the healers. No. Dude, I had no idea. First of all, I had no idea that he used to work for PE. I had no idea. Apparently, for who? He, he for uh, Pro Exotics. Oh yeah, yeah. So I didn't know that, and uh, he. I guess he worked for them twice, and the second time that he was there. Uh, his whole thing was Asian rats and heliderms. And obviously, they can 
drop temperatures way easier than I can in South Florida. But he was telling me that providing that I do the food correctly and I gradually drop temp to my lowest normal temp, I can chill them out for two and a half, three weeks. And that will be essentially hibernation. And it's like, okay, I believe him because he's him. You know what I mean? But dude, all the other texts I have, they're like, must maintain 55 degrees for 69 days or whatever it is, 58 days or fuck, 90 days. I don't know. And that's what was freaking me out, man. Cause I'm like, I'm going to have to figure something out. I'm going to have to, you know, I put them in a, in a, in a chest cooler or something. I, I don't know. And then, you know, Chris was telling me, he's like, no, man, as long as they got room to turn around, you can put them in a wine cooler, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. I just didn't, I don't know. Cause then you got the point, like they're not going anywhere. They're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't need to have an enclosure specifically for the hibernation because they're fucking hibernating. Right. And that's something I've wondered about with species like the corns and the bears and stuff too, is like, do we like, what's the, how long is long enough when it comes to hibernation, like rumination? Yeah. You know, do you have to cool them down for three months before, like, I mean, like, physiologically, things sort of kick in to where if I only cool them down for a month and warm them back up, would their body and sort of their their biological clock be like, yeah, that was winter. Time to go. Like, well, it's not the case with knobtails because I tried to do that last year and it failed miserably. I mean, I guess it really isn't that like it doesn't matter that much because if you look at it, I mean, brumation is also like a three-month period. We don't have to worry about feeding. You know, it's kind of True. a break, if anything else. Um, but I do wonder, like the the bairds, when I cooled them earlier this year, I mean, I just I literally just took them off heat and kept them in the, the low seventies for two or three months, and that seemed to be enough. But I mean, that's at the same time, that's a species that I feel like you could probably breed at any point and they they do it like the jury's still out as to whether or not you actually have to cool them or not because people have bred them without cooling them people have bred them with cooling them like yeah but that can also come down to that can just be individual animals too is both animals were just receptive all the time yeah but like i mean think about it dude the, the west texas north mexico that shit gets cold for a yeah. long time what you figure uh, from end of November through into Valentine's February. Day, yeah, yeah, like that's like Pat, in the in the late February, that shit gets cold, man. I don't know. That's something I think about. Is like I said, yeah. you know, how long is is long enough? Right. Like with the chondros, it's take them off food, put them back on food in yeah. in winter, like December or whatever. Beef them up hard, like feed them small, a lot of small meals over the course of two weeks, you know, get them in the zone and make it happen. But at the same time, I mean, I think you could also put a male chondro in with a female sometime in, you know, late November, December. Right. And you'd probably get copulation just because I, and I, that's another thing. I think photo period plays a much bigger part in all of it than, than we sort of realize. Right. Because, I mean, you think about it, like, that's a pretty big, I mean, even for us, not trying to compare apples to oranges, but, you know, when the days get shorter, it's pretty obvious, and it does change things, you know, even if it's on, like, a subconscious level. I think for snakes yeah. and stuff in general, like, photo period is a very big part of it. And that's why I'm not a, 
not a big fan of, of racks with, with completely opaque tubs. Like I like clear or like translucent mm -hmm. because you get, and I have a window in my room too. So like you get those natural daylight hours and stuff. And, and you know, right. I think that that stuff matters. That's that matters a lot more than, than we're led to believe. But, um, sure. Sure. You know, and that's like, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. And here's the thing, too, is I don't know exactly which species of Kribo Trey has, but. is yellow tails, I believe. Yellow tails? So, like, looking at. Yellow or black? Guyana. Let's just say yellow, okay? Guyana, French Guyana, Suriname, uh, northern Venezuela. It's, it's, it's basically the, I want to say very, very close to the equator, if not Florida level close to the equator, right? And then at the same time, it still gets 32 degrees in Florida in winter for a couple days, you know? And that's... I think it definitely gets it gets chilly there at night, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, blacktails. Cool. So, yeah, so I... We have this thing in our mind of, oh, it's tropical. It needs to stay tropical. And, you know, it goes back to those... The Natush and the Chondros... You know, talking about it being in the in the fifties or sixties in the mountains with the breeze, the night, and the condors crossing the road. You know, well, that's going to vary too, because I mean, you get down south and you get into the Aru and the Cape York Peninsula Iron Range condors. You know, those are closer to the equator too, like Biak and and yeah. those high you know highland animals. It's a completely different story, completely different habitat. Well, yeah, in terms of like stasis and temperatures and stuff like that they're considerably different but, yeah you know yeah which that would be interesting like if you had pure if you could find pure highland animals and attempt to breed them the way you would breed something that has and that has like warmer temperatures and i probably sound like a complete idiot right now but that's something i've also talked to jake about because he has the popping carpets right and so those are further south than a decent chunk of the, the common chondro localities that are from like the top end of, of Papua. Right. And so he insists that you have to cool those down. But I'm like, if chondros that are coming from the same air, like that same region, which I mean, those, those popping carpets, I think come from sort of the, the Maruki area, which is considerably drier and much more of like a scrubland than it is like a temperate sort of forest. Um, like, do you have to cool popwins down, or could you breed those the same way you breed chondros, where it's like take them off food for three months, start feeding them smaller meals more frequently for two or three weeks, and then put them together and see what happens? Yeah, so I was like, it doesn't make much sense that you would have to cool those down considerably, but you don't have to do that with chondros when they're related and they come from the same area. Yeah, yeah, that's almost like a. Uh, uh I was reading a thing about Papuan Taipans and so like Port Moresby is farther south. Yeah. That's like the Maruki area. Right. Where the, where the land bridge would Australia that you where it would have been. Yeah. That's like Maruki is in that little like horseshoe. Sure. In the very south, like almost centrally located on, on right. So like these these Port Moresby locality type Taipans, it's getting chilly in the evening, in the night, in the morning. And then you're seeing more animals, the majority males too, 
uh, because they have the, the, the more predominant dorsal line, they're basking at the hottest part of the day because they need that energy to last through the chilly night. So it's the so the question is like I don't want to say like they don't go into like a hibernation or formation or anything. But there is a definite shift. But they know, yeah, they know exactly that shift. Right, right. Because I mean we're looking at this right now. I mean, that's a pretty decent temperature swing to go from 72 to 90. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's a pretty big swing. But yeah. I mean, you look at this, it's very consistent, like low 70s. And hey, if you're if you're on Google, pull pull up the map and let's we can show the people exactly where Port Moresby is because it's down, you know, it's it's south. And it's it's right on the uh, West Papua border too, right? Yeah, so it's like south central. Yeah. Watch this be completely wrong and look like complete idiots. <clears throat> yeah, we gotta get we gotta get Dr. Williams or 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 uh uh no Warren on on uh THP man because those dudes are smack dab in the middle of the popping awesomeness. Yeah, so this is Maruki. Okay. You can yeah. see uh, at one point it was connected. Right. And so this is very like scrubbish as far as habitat compared to the other parts like the, the higher montane regions of, of Papua. Right. It's very different. And see, I thought I was mistaken. I thought Port Moresby was smack dab in the middle right next to the border of the Nah, uh, it's Marugi. Port yeah. Moresby's in no man's land on the other side. Yeah. Like Manaquari. Let's see. Let's see, I mean, it's even warmer. Like, the lows are 77 in Manaquari. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Kayapura, which is about as it's pretty much as north as you can get. But if you're looking at Jayapura, you're also kind of on the other side of that mountain range. Can you click satellite? I don't know. Oh. No. Maybe we can scroll down far enough and see like a, a tribe somewhere or something. Right. What's that black rainbow squiggle? Where? It was a joke. It was saying bowling flag. Uh oh. I was like, what? Google Earth is like the creepiest thing of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's as, that's as good as it gets. Hmm. Amazing. The future is now. 
And, you know, you just don't realize how freaking big it is. Like, Jayapura province is huge. And we call it, you know, oh, they're Jayapura locality. Yeah, but it's the size of freaking Texas. That's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the the port it left was Jayapura. That doesn't necessarily mean it was from right here. That means it could have been from anywhere, like, in here. Yeah. This way, this way. Yep. Yep. It's crazy. At least with some of the smaller islands, you know that it's, you know, it's it, it's a smaller island. But when you have like main big island, it, dude, it's it's crazy. So wrong. Where where's the area that the Novaganese are supposed to be on? That's like farther east than Port Moresby. I couldn't even tell you. I don't even know. You know what we should be doing? We should be using iNaturalist right now. I've looked up green trees on there and like nothing comes up. Like no one that must be a a European American thing because no one apparently on this side of the globe seems to use it. But at the same time, there's not many people going herping in Papua New Guinea. You know, it's true. That is true. Not exactly the, the safest place on earth for Yeah. Even though I did ask Natush that when I had him on the show, I was like, how safe is it? And he's like, if you're going to like the touristy areas, it's fine. He's like, it's when you start wandering into the other areas that you're probably not supposed to be that it becomes a problem. So. Yeah, like this mountain range divides. It, before, it was just north and south, like the two species of green trees, and this was right. the dividing line between it, but now it's been divided almost into like quarters. We like to think we know what we're talking about. Yeah. The thing about this, too, 20 years ago, we didn't have that. Right? Yeah. And Austin said, I think when it comes to cycling my Apodora, I'm going with photo period and food just because the range is so large, and I feel that will play a much larger role than temp would. That's what I'm going to start anyways. Yeah. And that's, like, you ask a lot of the Condro guys, like, that's... You don't do. You can do temperature cycling. I'm kind of surprised that it works as well as it does with those, considering that's not really something they experience. I mean, unless you consider temperature cycling doing kind of what I did with the bears, just taking them off heat, and then they're at whatever room temperature is, then you warm back up. Um, but then that kind of goes back to the how much, like, when is enough enough? Like, how low should they get, and for how long? True. True. But with those, like they're the seasons are more wet and dry season, and when like the wet seasons around, food is moving, which means it's time to start making babies because food availability. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure photo period plays a big part in that too. Well, I'm uh, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna do my Cordillas again this year, and I'm introducing my one breeder female that's been very successful with a pair that I have photos of them copulating, but they have never produced. I think they were just too small. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year I'm actually gonna focus because we're in September now, so October, so like end of October, I'm gonna introduce them probably in the next two weeks. And then end of October, I'm going to cut down, um, the light cycle will stay the same, but the heat lamp itself will only be on for maybe two and a half, three hours a day. I haven't decided yet. 
um, probably around like one o'clock just to kind of get that like peak time of the day. Mm-hmm. But they're under the AC vent and it's perpetual constant flow. So like, even though I keep the thermostat for the house at like 71, 72, whatever, you know, my roommate has that. When I temp gun the AC vent blowing on that breeder enclosure, it's like 60. And that's, and I, I'm hoping that that helps a lot this year. I really am. Cause now, cause my, my one breeder male died last year. So I figure I'll give the girl this year off. Right. And, uh, and now I have the other male with the other female. And I'm also hoping that he'll breed with her because clearly he wants to, he's been copulating. Um, he'll breed with her if she's receptive. And that'll also maybe spark something in the other female. And cause mm-hmm. they kind of they get like patriarchally, patriarchy, patriarchy. And uh, males, are, if it's females, the matriarch. Matriarch. So they, they are matriarch. They tend to be matriarchally, matriarchal, matriarchal, something like that. It's late. Forgive me. Like people. dart frogs. Yeah. Um. Because like the girls always own shit. Like they get a big diesel female, and they're just like, "Yo, rulers of the roost." Right. HBICs. Which I'm kind of excited about too. Is um, I'm take because those two specimens are at my parents' house in a upright. Uh, uh, a, a large, tall exo, and they're not utilizing the space. They, they're chilling at the bottom in the rocks. So what I think I'm going to do is the juveniles that I have that are now a year and a half old, I'm going to put them in the upright with like a ton of like bamboo and more rock ledges and just all kinds of shit for them to climb on and give them more space. And that'll free up my baby thing because if she does drop, if I get two clutches that are two litters this year, I'll need the extra space for the other babies. Yeah. Bill asked, uh, do you think it is less a temperature change and more of a dry season since our home heating saps humidity? Maybe a bit cooler, but it's definitely significantly drier in the winter. Um, Up where you are, yeah. I can down here in South Carolina and Florida. Like humidity isn't really like it definitely gets drier here in the winter, but I don't know. I've never that's never been an issue for me in the winters. I don't know about you, Phil. Like I don't have mass shedding problems across the board with everything because of the heat, you know, the heaters or whatever. Well, all right, so I, I don't I don't think I don't even know if I have a heater, to be honest. I have no idea. Um but I've never we never turned it on. I never turned it on. Um I will say this. My animals always have good sheds, with the exception of that one fucking copperhead that is just doesn't know what the hell to do with his own life. All my animals have fairly good, knock on wood, have fairly good shedding. Um, some of the, like Texas Indigo, he'll get a little flaky from time to time, but nothing crazy. But because I had the air conditioner on 24-7 for the entire year, even in winter, I may turn it up a little bit, but even in winter... The humidity, the ambient humidity in my bedroom, in the living room, in the snake room, it's only like 32%. So in the cages, it's much higher because I make it higher, whether I'm spraying, mm-hmm. using moss, or because they're in drawers or tubs, it's it's more confined and more swampy. Um, and then it's always higher. It's always, you know, 60s to 80s typically. But the room is only 32, 34%. And I have those little exoterra hygrometers fucking everywhere. So I, I can constantly check here and there. I think it also boils down to like the microclimate in the in the setup, like you were talking about. 
right if you're right. if you're maintaining it and i mean with something like the stuff you got as far as the lizards go like that is more of a desert species so you're going to keep those warmer yeah. sort of regardless so you're there's like a level of maintain you know and then like you're not going to you're not going to cut the heat off of those and then that's true it. that's true and then it's funny, Henry just says, uh, in my opinion, all subtropical and tropical or wet season, dry season, can't speak for the montane species, though. So, like, the Cordilla species that I currently keep, most of them are, are Zimbabwe. And I don't know where the original stock was wild, was wild caught because, first of all, the country's big. And second of all, the terrain is so diverse. So when you go to the east coast of Zimbabwe – on the Mozambique border, it's it's almost dry scrubland, but super high humidity. Then you've got some mountains in the middle. You've got desert in the southwest with like arid steppe land in the southwest. So it, I, I honestly don't know where these lizards hailed from. When I go on iNaturalist, most of them are found on the eastern border, more closer to Mozambique, which is, again, more tropical and more like foresty. But again, that's just where iNaturalist showed it. I don't know if they inhabit the entire uh, the entire region or the entire uh, country. I have no idea. Right. Let me see. I'm looking at the weather on Sulawesi right now because I haven't been keeping those Jance and I on heat like at all. Uh, see, I, would huh? I would imagine they would have to be high heat, high humidity. And they are. Um, I have heat panels in the cages. I've, I've got thermostats. I just have to do some rearranging in the room and put the, the male the male's tub and the female's tub together and then move my male chondro where the female's tub is now um, and then set those up. But, like, I'm looking at the, the weather right now, and, I mean, it's a high of 86. Heat index is, like, 98. But then it gets to, like, 72 at night. Like yeah, you're getting into drop. 77. That's a good drop. At night, yeah. And so, I mean, that's that's a big swing again. So, I don't know. I mean, they've been doing fine. My my room stays about 77 or so. At night, it probably does get a little cooler because I, I just flat out turn off the, the heat on some of my, my racks and stuff. Like, they're just on a power switch right? Uh, surge protector, and I just click that off. So I don't know. I mean, that's I'm definitely going to get them hooked up onto that, and I'm going to have it so that it does drop down to this these temperatures. Yeah. Uh, which I find actually the temperature drop may not even necessarily be needed. I can just cut them off because it's going to get to that temperature anyways, and it gets to the point where if it gets so low, like the thermostat's like, I'm not even going to run because it's already where it needs to be. Yeah. So sort of what's the point? But yeah, super humid, super hot, and the I mean, I don't even keep mine humid, really. I, they have, like, a, a humid hide. Like the floor hide has a little bowl of, of wet spag that they mm -hmm. can go into. And the male shed recently. I need to go in and make sure he shed completely. Um, but it looked pretty good earlier when I was checking. I, I threw a mouse in the hide the other day, and he didn't eat it. So I was pulling that out this morning, and I saw a shed in there. I just didn't pull it out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the weather right now. And how are uh, huge how, things? How are the chances not eating? 
Uh, the female eats every time. She's a freak, man. All I have to do is put that mouse up. She's in the, she stays in her mounted hide a lot. I just got to right. put that mouse in that hole, and she just, I mean, hits so hard. Uh, the male, though, they seem to be – I'm seeing a lot of parallels between those and the Boiga. Yeah. Um, like my male Boiga, last month I've offered him food. Won't touch it. Female, she just absolutely annihilates it. And same with these Jansen. I, like, I, I just drop feed. I just put it in their hide. And uh, he just sees been off food too, which that seems pretty normal. I mean, I know it's normal for Boya. Like males are can be a real pain in the ass with food, yeah. and it's it's kind of hard because they're so thin and like I won't say frail, but they're they're not stocky snakes. And so like when they're not eating, you're like you're already anorexic as it is. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But yeah. after talking to Nipper, Nipper's like, I have males that won't eat for like six months. He's like, they're fine. Yeah. But how how healthy are those animals that go off feed for six months? Do they look like a bag of poop? I don't think so. I think it's all like breeding. Okay. I think it's a breeding thing, and I think it's the same with the male Jansen. I you know with Ganyasoma, same thing. They're not there to eat; they're there to, to find ladies. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed uh, with some of the Cordillas, they get this wrinkle on the side of their body, and uh, like this long lateral line wrinkle. And it's, I don't know if it's because I gorge them on food and then they've digested said food and it shrinks back up. But like, if I get neglectful and I don't feed them for a few days, I'll see that wrinkle and I'll be like, oh, I got to feed them shit. But I don't know if that's just the way their body is naturally or if it's, be, like I said, because I'm feeding the shit out of them and then I don't feed them. On which ones? On the, the, the girdle tails. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anytime I'd see like a lateral fold like that, I would say you're it's dehydrated, but that's that'd be on snakes. I mean those are not sure. Because you see that in you see that in neuromastics all the time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, and it, it very well might be dehydration because I don't um I don't their water dish dries out, I do it on purpose. And then I make it rain, and I usually will flood the cage. So, like, I, I don't want to say I ration their water, but, like, they don't always just have a bowl of water there. Maybe I should do that, um, but I've had good success so far. Um, that might be it. It might be dehydration. Maybe I should spray them down in the morning. I've been doing that with my condors a lot more. I was originally not a big, like, misting guy. Yeah. But I have a few, dude. I, like, hose them down, and they just drink and drink and drink. So I've been trying to get in the habit of like at least once a week going through and I mean like keeping water on them for like a solid minute okay, and just watching them drink and then I'll let that cage, I'll leave it overnight and if it doesn't completely dry out or get close to it, I'll just swap out the paper towel and just put, make them dry again. Yeah, and you know what? Come and think of it. That's, that's like my Rhino Viper, dude. That thing, I have one of those really, really thin water bowls because like they're ambush hunters. They don't move. Right. And it, that bowl will just sit there untouched and get funky. But then if I spray the cage, the rain triggered a puddle in front of her face and she'll drink out of the dirt. Mm -hmm. Like whatever works. Yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. See, I don't know. I don't like, I don't, I missed heavy, but it's like I said, it's, you know, maybe once, once a week. And then I, I got a, 
replace that paper towel the next morning or something. I just, I'm not, I don't like yes. stagnant. It's just a bacteria breeding ground. I love that shit. All right. I also have a, a pretty good substrate layer on those lizards, and I think that that helps a lot too, because I don't, I don't have. I, I'm, th I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking and not thinking is what's going on. I was comparing to what you were saying about hosing down the chondros and them just gulping and drinking and drinking and drinking, and then I think about it too is like the stuff that I have that have substrate that's not on paper towels. Do you ever notice the chondros go down to the bottom and continue to drink water off the paper towels, or no? No. So once, my thing once, with keeping hide with keeping chondros hydrated is just do frequent water changes, because there's been plenty of times where I've done water changes on them, and they I see them go down as soon as lights are out. I see them like they're extended all the way down to the water bowl, their faces in it, and they're drinking. So I'm like, yeah. why would I need to miss when I'm clearly they're drinking? But at the same time, when I when I Missed them, and it's not all of them. It's a it's a decent chunk of them. When I missed them. They start drinking like crazy. So. Yeah, and dude, that's that's very similar to Dramarcon. They will literally stare at me with the dirty waters that they just pooped in, and they'll go, "Gonna clean that? I'm thirsty. Gonna clean that?" And then literally, I change the water. They stare at me like a like a like a dog waiting to be fed, and I bring the fresh water bowl back, and they drink out of the bowl like they they just they know. They're not stupid. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I also, like, with the chondras, the thing I aim for, too, is I use big water bowls. Because, um, you know, obviously, if you have a bigger body of water in there, you're going to have naturally a higher humidity. And then there's uh, either pothos or philodendron in those water bowls, too, which I really... Dom was saying the same thing the other night. Yes, like last night in the group chat, is like having a plant, just a plant clipping growing out of that water bowl definitely seems to bump up humidity a decent amount too. Um, and not like a ton, but enough to where you can definitely, like you can feel it when you're sticking your hand in there. Uh, and yeah. I, you know, for me, I like it because it's it's like a, a air filter naturally, you know, which air doesn't really get stagnant stagnant as much in there and I actually really want to try it with my egg boxes too and see if that helps like late term especially. You know put like a like a clipping of pothos in an egg box? Yeah. That's cool. I don't know if it'll make a huge difference, but I feel like you don't have to worry about ventilation as much when you have something that's taking, you know, that CO two and converting it into yeah. oxygen. Yeah that's smart. They'll also Yeah, I want to try it. Yeah. Bill had a Boyga question. So the Cyania took Brad Pink's off tongs, no issue. He pulled the first one back in her hide. Second one, she just full crushed it and bit his body. So wide open mouth, I saw the jaw muscles working at the back, and I saw what looked like blood run out her nostrils. Thought she's fine now to do this later. No issues during feeding at the time after swimsuit. Bloody nose was out. Um, I'm not sure as far as the cyanium, like I've never noticed that. Um, mine, my female hits really hard, but I've never had any problems with that. I if she's fine, I, yeah, if, 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 if she's fine, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I got no experience with it, so I, I don't know. 
And then Austin said, I saw you doing that on a video the other day. Do you rinse the roots of the pothos off real well or just clip it and throw it? You know. Um, so I don't like taking, I'm weird about taking like things I just clipped and just throwing them in the water bowl. Uh, just because I know some plants like that sap or that uh, the plant blood, whatever the official word is, phylotum, uh, can be toxic to some things. So usually what I'll do is I'll take a clipping and I'll actually put it in my tadpole tub where I, out where I grow out my tadpoles and I'll let it root. Or at least give it a few days to sort of start healing up so I don't have to worry about that, that uh, the sap or whatever you want to call it getting into the water. Um, but I have found, like, right now I just have some, in some of my cages I have these pothos clippings that's just one leaf, and those just, they're not growing. So if you're going to do it, I really suggest starting out with a bigger clipping, you know, one that's at least a couple couple inches long and sort of has multiple leaves on it, some that actually grow, uh, which is why I tried phylodendron with I phylodendron is one of my chondro tubs, and it does seem to be growing a lot better than the, than the single leaf pothos does. But usually when I clean the water bowls, like I'll take it out, I'll, I'll kind of pat it dry, the root at least, because it does get some like normal growth, like slimy looking stuff on it. Uh, so I'll pat that dry and kind of clean it off a little bit before I put it back in with fresh water. But <laughs> I'm like you, I can't. I do appreciate the art. Did I, I sent you a picture of the, the familio tanker. I don't appreciate the art. Um, how about the familio? Did you find anything? I haven't even looked. That you're gonna rip the cage apart and see if they're still alive. Oh, dude, that's the painful part. I want to know if there's a whole colony of fucking dark. There's frogs in there. not a whole colony in there. You don't know that. I do know that. It could be like the little city of aliens in the locker in Men in Black. It's not. No. Well, you know what, Dominique? I don't appreciate you either. I have an appreciation for plants, but I only have an appreciation for plants that go into variants. I have an appreciation for plants. I just can't keep them at home because they die. It's a fact. That's why I'm focusing on arid species. <laughs> don't have to worry about plants if they don't have plants where they live. Right? Right? You can be the, the crazy plant lady. Yeah, like I said, I just give them a couple, like, two or three days to, to cauterize. I don't, I'm not hit with plant and they go. Cauterize? But I was saying, like, when I cut a fresh clipping, I'm weird about just throwing it right in a water bowl because I'm worried about that sap. Because sometimes, you know, that the phylotum or whatever the plant blood is called can be toxic. And so I usually try to give it a few days to, like, stop bleeding before I just throw it in the water bowl. And I mean, it could be completely harmless. I don't know. With the condors and stuff, I'm really not willing to even find out. Um, but yeah, I just give it a few days to start getting a little nub going, and then then I'll throw it in the water bowl. 
Dominique says that her and Billy are the crazy plant ladies. And, and Casey. And now, and Phelan too, apparently. Um, you and I are, are on the back end of this, apparently. Um, but I did mention to Billy that in the past, I've had delusions of grandeur about doing different types of grasses. And apparently, grasses are very, very hard to do in captivity because of lighting and the fact that they get really big. Um, but Billy basically found some stuff online, and I'm pretty sure he's going to guide me in doing a spinifix grass sand dune enclosure for Levy's Levy's. So I think I might take a stab at it because it's a desert grass, and I missed I missed the geckos three times a week. You know what I mean? Sometimes twice a week. So that would probably be about the same for the grass. And I think they would look really really cool if I did that. And yes, Steve, uh, grass Henry grass, knows all. Henry does know all. It's, it's end dog. Uh, the, the enclosure that we would do would be completely open air um, and uh, with appropriate lighting, of course. Um, I think a 10 gallon might be too small. So I'm thinking about doing like a 20 high, but filling it with one third sand. And then the, the, the kicker is I got to figure out exactly what kind of, I don't want to use the word viscosity, like what kind of denseness of sand I need. Because the root structures, they go deep, but in in relation to like trees and bushes, uh, they're not as deep as you'd imagine. Oh my God, look at that precious little nugget of a kitten. Look at little Hector. Oh my God. He little. Doesn't Justin just look cuter when he's holding a little baby kitten? What's hilarious is you did that face right as the cat meowed, and it looked like you made that sound. <laughs> yeah, so just to show sort of the plant thing. I mean, that's the, that's the philodendron. That one's kind of like sort of growing a little bit. And then I have some of these pothos that just aren't. Oh, I forgot he sit right there. What are my odds of grabbing this? Back these two. You get hit? Huh? A little yellow bastard's looking at you. This one's usually not that bad. But like this isn't growing. Like that little. It's just not happening. So I, I recommend starting out with a, with a bigger cutting. Because. One ain't it. I love this rack from MP Cages and Exotics. I'm pleased with mine. I love mine. And now I'm going to see if I can find this Jansen I shed. But also keep my computer from falling with my headphones still attached. And maybe, just maybe, this angry bastard will come out and visit me. I got bit by the female. Yeah, how was that? It actually wasn't that bad. Okay. I was kind of surprised. I was expecting it to be way worse. 
Where are you, demon? See, my big concern is that the tail tip didn't, didn't come, up, come off like the Boiga. There's a struggle there. Um, ooh, that's a boy. I didn't even know they shed plugs like that. Good God. Wow, look at that. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah I don't have any more ideas. Yeah, I don't think the tail tip came off, bro. I'm sure it will. Raggy. No, it's about to because I'm about to get it. I'm trying to find pictures of Spinifex grass to show people, and I really hear you because my headphones are grass. You're good. Uh, Austin, to the best of my knowledge, Justin did get rid of his Amazon tree bows. I do no longer have Amazon tree bows. Oh, he can hear us. Excellent. Please don't spaz out. Stay in one place for like two seconds. All right, ass. There we go. Off to the races. Under the pad. You can't hide. Man, Kirsten's room looks so clean and crisp. Look at that room. Wish my room looked like that. I won't lie though, his framed magazine pictures are crooked and it's kind of killing me inside. Don't worry about my magazine pictures. Somebody something like it. Focus on the snake, pal. This is the you know the thing that sucks about these things is like they're spastic? We're so fast. Like this thing could come springing out and grab me in the face. Like at any point. Yeah, right. And probably yeah. wouldn't even see it coming. I see you though. Just give me it. They are fast bastards, though, man. No, there is no shed on the tail. Okay. Hi, Katie. Are you excited? You're coming to see us in like three weeks. I know. It's crazy, right? It's around the corner. I know. Mm -hmm. It's going to be... Epic. Epic. What are you wearing? Uh, I don't know. I have to figure that out. What are, what, what are other people wearing? Justin's wearing a suit. I would like to hope so. I mean, he's the groom. If he had his way, it would be that shirt and cargo shorts. I would not let him do that. I appreciate that. Yeah. What color suit is Justin going to be wearing? Navy blue. People want to see Hector. Damn it. So I can't wear my navy blue shirt. <laughs> Dude, we can match. Steve bought a matching suit. It's my dad. How crazy would it be if I happened to bring a navy blue suit and it actually was your same suit? That would be horrible. That would, would be, be awesome. Great. You that would be horrible. We are low-key. How many people are coming? I think we sent out about 60 invitations. So Wait, far, I think one six or six zero? Six zero. Six zero. Okay. Yeah. So I've gotten, I think, about 25 RSVP so far. Okay. Cool beans. Did you get yours? 
Yeah, but I talk to your fiance every day, so I didn't feel obligated to mail it back. My apologies. But he stamped it. You paid for stamps. Stamps are for expensive. For you. All right, I'll mail it. His mail it. only job. We included <laughs> stamps. I addressed them all and stuffed them all, and he had to stamp them. It's actually uh, uh, it's on my refrigerator. I will mail it. Tomorrow? Sure. <laughs> where's, where's that? Where's he's, that thing? He's in here. Oh. Is buddy. he? Yeah. You're pissing them off. You're all up in our space. I, I literally just got terrified. I was like, oh my God, that snake is going to bolt out and beam Katie right in the face. And come I'm not right even worried in, about Hector. Right in my breadcrumbs again. Yeah, this the mail got loose. It was in the pantry. That'll happen. Thank you. Fill it with glitter and send it back. Don't be rude, oh, Don. I would never do that. <laughs> That's the worst. Someone sent Ellie uh, Christmas presents her first Christmas, and they were wrapped in red glitter wrapping paper. And I opened the box that had all the presents in it, and I was just like, and she immediately like dove for the box. It was <laughs> glitter everywhere for like a month. <sighs> so are you pulling that snake out or what? I was gonna put everything back now that I know that everything's fine because he's busy spazzing. I thought you said he had tail tips still on there. No, he doesn't. I pulled his tail out. He's good. 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 He's very feisty. That's the thing with Boyga too. Is when they shed, just like Amazon's, check them tail tips. Because that's almost guaranteed to still be there after they shed. Yup. That's my, my pro tip. Okay. Word up. Oh, she's not out, out. I mean, she's out, like, not in her hide. So is the boy. He's probably looking for her again. He's like, let's go round two. Hey, boo boo. Katie will learn in time that when we say a snake is out, we mean it is on display and not hiding. Correct. That does not mean that it is loose. There is a very large difference between out and loose. I know that because if it were loose, Justin would be very quietly looking around the house for it before telling me <laughs> that it's on the loose. This is what happens. He thinks that I try to find it before she realizes. He is not. It's so obvious when he's, when he's looking for a missing snake because he just very quietly walks around. He's looking for stuff. And I'm like, hmm, I got your number. I know what's up. You know, they make this thing. You want to know why I never see the Gangasoma? Yeah, let's see it. Right there. Oh, there you go. You know, they make this thing now. It's called a door sweep. That's why they do so well. Because I never seen it. So the way the good Lord intended. They make this thing called a door sweep and it bolts on or it glues on to the bottom of your door and it covers the gap between the floor and the door. Ooh, get one of those. I'm just saying don't ever shut this door because it's gonna bust the AC. Bust it up. Maybe you should turn on the fan in here. No. I want to know what the, what happened here. I don't know. I'm curious. 
the things you notice Hector after like you buy this, the house. Scared. Yes, he does. Say hello, Hector. What's up, Scott? Welcome to the group. He was snuggling on me, purring. Very cute. Kittens are fucking adorable. Hey, it's a kitten. And then, so Justin names him Hector, right? And so Ellie this morning tells her little classroom of kids, we have a baby kitten, and my dad named him Hector. To her okay. whole class. And I was like, oh my God. What's wrong with that? I, she just said it with a little accent, and I was like, great. God forbid you have some culture and actually pronounce it. I see, when I hear the name Hector, I don't think of Hector. Hector. I think of, like, uh, uh, who is it? Hector the Trojan? Who? Yeah. Right, well, who is, um, uh, it was, was it Paris's brother? Right? So, it's been right. Since I remembered my Greek mythology. Something to that extent. Someone on here will correct me. That's why I love the group. I just think of a telenovela. Hector, how could you? <laughs> you were in a coma for so long. <laughs> you denied my love for you. How did you cheat on me with my sister when you were in a coma? Hector. <laughs> oh, so what day are you coming up? I have no idea. I'm off. Uh, I'm off Wednesday to Thursday, and your wedding is on a Saturday. Yes. So yeah. So I don't know. Actually, I talked to Justin about coming up before or coming up after, and he had said that you guys hadn't really figured out what you were doing post wedding. So I didn't want to like encroach on any kind of family stuff or honeymoon stuff or whatever. So I figured I might come up before and then after the wedding, go back south and do some herping. Nice. I think we we are going to try to get away to like Chimney Rock, Asheville. We've been looking at Airbnbs. Cool. Most people would already have this planned, but we procrastinate. But um, We don't procrastinate. We fly by the seat of our pain. Look, yeah. shotgun honeymoons are okay. Shotgun <laughs> weddings, not so much. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but definitely, I mean, I think we're going to come back here Saturday night and then leave the next morning. It's kind of dumb to try to get a hotel room or something like that just for the night. That's dumb. So, that's so far the plan. You got a sitter for the wedding night? Yeah. <laughs> My yeah, mom. Oh, perfect. Perfect. <clears throat> You could be like my parents on, on their wedding night. My mom told me that she was horribly inebriated and fell asleep on the bathroom floor. And my dad, I guess, was so drunk that he couldn't like comprehend what was going on and basically just paced around the hotel room for like three hours. <laughs> I was like, well, hell of a wedding night, mom and dad. But we are having a margarita machine, so anything could happen. If I I mean, your parents live with, and if we got really desperate, we could walk home. Did you guys, uh, do you guys have like a registry or anything? No, because I mean, it felt weird because we have a house and we Condros. have no, 
we have and no scorpions um but we have so much stuff already so hector needs toys i mean unless you want to get us a lowe's gift card we'll always take a lowe's gift card for snake tubs for not snake tubs baby where's that lowe's gift card i used it on tubs and then i and then we would get divorced Okay. Because the garage is full of steak tubs, as you will see when you come visit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He probably takes them home with you. There's so many, he won't miss them. Oh, he knows every single tub that he's got. You're such a creep. Full mental inventory. <laughs> Why are you biting him? It's because you woke me up, you asshole. He's got his second wind. I looked up his age. I think he's about four to six weeks based off of a tooth chart I found online. Was he a Russian blue? He's a cat. He's gray. Oh, he's gray. And he's got blue eyes. Russian Russian blues are usually gray. Well, then why do they call him blue? Because it's a blue-gray. Or as the Germans would say, a blau-grau. Oh, we should have named him Dimitri. Oh, what? Does the Germans say what? Blau-grau. <laughs> Blaugram. Dimitri. Oh. This isn't Anastasia. Yeah. It is super cute. He is very cute. He loves Justin. And he's not at the Velcro stage yet. He is at the Velcro stage. Yeah, that's he likes to perch up there. He thinks he's a parrot. When we were at his sister's yesterday, he oh, sat on the back of the couch just like hiding in my hair. That's comfortable. Do you like how Justin hung up his magazine covers all crooked? I just said that. I said, man, Justin's snake room looks so nice. It's crisp, it's clean, but those magazines that are framed, they're very crooked. <laughs> the first one he hung was this one. Yeah. The first issue. And I'm like, what? In the middle of the wall, on the side, ain't no rhyme or reason. So I was like, why don't you get some command strips? I'm like, then you can move them all around and arrange them and make them straight. Because you see that every time I hang one up. He looks like a Sasquatch Dr. Evil petting his cat right now. <laughs> Come, Mr. Middlesbrough. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is uh, the first magazine I had that Nobtel article, and Justin sent me the, the the framed sections of the pages. So I have a friend who does a bunch of photo stuff. I had him print me out like a, a moon poster of my article with the cover of the magazine, mm -hmm. and I realized that, that article is like five hundred fifty, maybe six hundred words, and it fit in this nice twenty-two by eighteen frame or whatever. But now. Everything that I write is so much longer <laughs> that I couldn't do it. It would it would have to be like four. Yeah. Right. If so. you get some Walmart, they're just the Walmart frames. I know, but I like the way that he's doing it. It's good. You just need to buy a fucking level. You heard it. Austin says freaking chondros with freaking laser beams attached to their heads. <laughs> No, I think we have enough. 
There's no more room in this room for anything else. Unless you got rid of some frogs. Well, you have to do display enclosures throughout the home. No. When you walk in the front door, do you have a foyer? Yes, but it's too skinny to put anything in. Yes, That's it is. Not true at all. It is true. Okay. I have my fall flower arrangement in there, and that's it. Yeah, we got plenty of room for that. So it's the fall flower skinny. arrangement can be uh, a decorative enclosure of, of whatever species is in there. You could do the seasons. You know, with in autumn, you would have all the different colored leaves and leaf litter, you know. You could still have like a nice little key rack right there, like an umbrella holder, perhaps. You know, right when you when you walk in, everyone needs a, key rack. Everyone needs a kitchen gecko. Huh? Yeah, I said everyone needs a kitchen gecko. No. Nice subtle little little enclosure with a, with some you know driftwood or dead you know saguaro cactus skeletons in there. Where would I cook? Coleonis. We have very limited on counter space. That's going to be our new show, Coleonis in the Kitchen. We do I not would kill for some Coleonis. Those we, are actually really cool. We eat more than ramen at our house. I cook. Right. That's fine. The Coleonics will enjoy it. They'll sit there in the glass and they'll lick the glass mm. and they'll be like, mm, smell all those spices that Katie's preparing. <laughs> And then when you go into the hallway, at the end of the hallway, right before the bedroom, you have a nice tropical dart frog enclosure. With the Where? In, in the hallway. You walk down the hallway. You are acting like we have all this room. You do. I know. It's maximizing the surface area of the space you have. Turn it down. Okay. You calm down. Look at this. This is our hallway. Where am I going to put a frog tank, Philip? Well, are you still in the room? Exit the room. I did. Oh, so right there, right against that wall, right there. Room. Right no, because oh, then that nice room. This one right here. You could do one there. You could do something small right there, or that wall right there. Yeah. You know what would happen to that? The first yeah. time Justin got out of bed for a drink of water in the middle of the night, he would run into it. No, you wouldn't. You'd learn that it's there. It's a major walkway. Right, and it would be just a beautiful work of art in vision of a We have one frog tank over here. Right, beautiful. Look at that white wall. Look at that white wall right there. No, 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 not that one. The one you just walked past. The one behind Justin. There you go. Right underneath that little that little right there, that is the spot. That is a perfect prime spot for a long wide enclosure. That's my foyer with my hobby lobby decoration. And that windowsill would be pristine with a nice, you know, uh, desk chest thing right in front of the window with a lovely enclosure on top of it. But the door almost hits it when you open it. Well, you would move it out of the way so the door didn't hit it. No. I managed to get one of the frog tanks out of our bedroom. Scott says that he sees a lot of wall space, or as I like to refer to it as valuable real estate. And then he was saying that you could even insert something into the wall and make it flush. He knows what's up. 
Are you willing to fund all these projects? No, you guys are all about the do-it-yourself thing. Mm -mm. Look, I'm sure Justin can cut some drywall. You're meticulous enough that the spackling will look beautiful. And we're all good. Yeah. See, Mike agrees. Mike, Just install yeah. the enclosure on the wall. Have a seat, Mike. Ain't nobody want to hear that from you. I really like the idea of having the foyer enclosure with the seasons. I, I feel like my plan right now is to figure out, like, cut back on dirt frogs. I'd like to get rid of that rack because these guys are all going to need upgrades some at some point. No, it's not what you heard. And then what I'm going to do is move this male's cube where she is, move her over here, hook those up to the thermostat. And then they're good to go. Look at how much space you're wasting with all these frogs. But he's doing a great job with them. He is. I don't even know if those are even still kicking. Yeah, yeah they might not be. You need to go in there. Yes. Just, just do it right now. Just do it right now. Have Katie oh. open the laptop, grab a flashlight and a 45, and get in that little tunnel. <laughs> all right, what? <laughs> Look at what you've started. Ow. It keeps the show lively. I love it. Where are we going? What are you doing? Where's Archie? Over there, hating life. Oh, yeah? Because there's a new baby in the house and he ain't it anymore. He knows we're talking about him. I see that tail wagon. Archie! What are you doing, buddy? He's like, I was sleeping. Who brought this down to the house? Mike says this is his favorite part of the show. That's cool. My <laughs> So, are we going somewhere? Are we going to an excursion? I don't know. I think I just got locked out of the house. Oh. Oh, so speaking of being in the garage, how's the new Deftones album? I haven't heard it yet. Huh? I said, speaking of being in the garage, how's the new Deftones album? I haven't heard it yet. It hasn't. It comes. It actually, like, there's two singles that have been released. doesn't come out until the 25th. Oh, okay. All right. The two singles are not horrible, not great, which is okay. pretty much the running thing with their last album. Okay. Um, I mean, it will still be good. wasn't the one with uh, Diamond Eyes, right? <laughs> No, that was, there's been two albums since that. Diamond Eyes had uh, You've Seen the Butcher, right? Yeah. Yeah, that album was awesome. That, that album's 10 years old. Is it really? Oh, my 10 God. 10 years old as of this year. I saw them live on that tour. Jesus. What are we doing, Smithy? 
Ten years. Ten years. I do have a lot of tubs in here. <laughs> well, look, look, look at that cluster. Yeah, it's a garage. What do you expect? I mean, I'm trying to convince somebody to let me make this the snake room and convert it. So they can have their third bedroom back that they so desperately want to use. You can do it. Want their third bedroom. Don't want to convert the garage. So I'm like, sounds like you're in quite the predicament, bro. Yeah, right. Well, we're at the two-hour mark, sir. What do you say we... Uh, oh, we are. Yes. Wrap this sucker up. Like a green Christmas present. Sounds good. Thank you to all who stuck around and listened to the debauchery. Don't forget to tip your waitress and try the veal. Yep. Good night, everybody. See y'all later. Bye.